All right, welcome to the Flip Tide podcast. Now, what have we got for you today? We've got Mr. Mark Anderson uh, on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. This was basically um, trying to kind of unpack, I guess, both our kind of career paths um, so far. Um, I guess mainly kind of in our 20s. Um, Mark is, uh, as you'll be able to tell, Mark is from Newcastle. Um, so hopefully um, anyone that's not from Newcastle can still understand him. Um, I did joke that I was going to have to put subtitles on this one. Um, but hopefully he, he, he said he was on his best behaviour um, in terms of, um, you know, really enunciating for you. Um, but um, Mark's got an interesting story um, uh, in that he's kind of from a working pa- class background and and kind of how, not that that's anything special in itself, but I mean how um, how kind of his parents didn't want necessarily him to um, do the same career path that they have. Um, and then now kind of he's actually come full circle and now he's running the family business. So the kind of irony of that um, is interesting. Um, he did, he's been, you know, as we'll explain, he's been on a crazy, crazy career path. Um, if you say it all together, it's, I mean, you know, starting from the corporate IT world, um, going into like teaching, modeling. Um, he was accidentally Chris Tarrant's publicist at one point. Um, he was nearly a national crime agency officer. Um, so yeah, he's kind of gone down lots of different paths, um, which have kind of led him to develop certain skills and, um, I guess just develop into the person that he is now. And it's quite a good comparison to my career as well. Um, in the fact that we've both kind of, you know, I started off in hospitality, um, and kind of gone full circle and now, you know, now we're now hoping to run my own business within that, that industry. Um, so I hope you enjoy this one. Um, there's some funny stories on the way. Apologies. My audio is not great. Um, but as I always say, progress over perfection and all. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, subscribe, rate and review. And yeah, and hit us up on the Flipside Pod Instagram. All right, let's get into it. Enjoy, much love. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm keeping sane, mate. Keeping sane. This, this, this podcast helps with that, you know. Your productivity. Yeah, how many you got out now? Uh, I think we're on 16, 17. This, uh, 16. Yeah, this might be seven. This might be like 17, 18. I think it's 18 this one. Yeah. It's good going. It's good going. Yeah, yeah. Progress over perfection. Hey, we've just been um, doing far too many quizzes. I'm absolutely fed up with them. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite. It's good how you can keep them interesting, though. Like, uh, like my last round, I just did like random objects, and I just made people get loaded by random objects and stuff. You don't know yet. that? No, no. So um, like, I just shout. Well, like, I did one. Like biggest, biggest item of fruit. Go. <laughs> people just run to the screen <laughs> with that. Your brother did one. You know, you can share your screen. Yeah. It's um. It was um. Curry or cock. So it was like an ultra zoomed in picture of either curry or poo oh and before you zoomed out you had to guess which it was 
<laughs> so that was an interesting one. Interesting. Um, yeah, man. Um, so I guess uh, what I wanted to talk about today was, um, I, I guess, kind of like the career path that you've taken. And I think it's kind of, it's interesting to see, I mean, you've, you've like, obviously we'll go into it, but you've obviously done a number of things in your career. Um, and I think I just wanted to kind of like have a chat about um, what you kind of, what you expected from your career, how you envisaged it going, um, how it's kind of changed and how your opinions change. Um, and also kind of like yeah. the pressures of kind of what you think as a kid is it going to be your career. And, um, yeah. So obviously, well, I guess we, we met, um, at, well, we met at uh, like Hewlett Packard. So we met, I was on, I was on my that place. That was when I was your year. boss, wasn't it, Jamie? Say again? That was when I was your boss. <laughs> you wish, you wish. So Mark was a graduate. So he finished his uni- university degree and I was like in the middle of mine on my placement. But in no, in no way were you my boss. Technically, <laughs> boss. <laughs> As the ladder of the corporate world goes, I was one rung ahead of you. <laughs> Technically, yeah, yeah. I took you under my wing. Although, did we start on the same day? No, I think you no, started a couple of months before me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was the early intake, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. You came in with a masses, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I think I think our biggest achievement maybe was getting the uh, the pool table banned. The pool table banning was a highlight of my time there. <laughs> if only I had found the Excel spreadsheet that had recorded over nine hundred games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they needed to. I think they could just see us playing it nonstop. <laughs> What did what average was it like nine games a day? We had three tournaments of three, uh, one one in the morning, one at lunch, and one in the afternoon. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, those were the days. So I guess if we if we take if we re- rewind from that spot, how did you how did you kind of get to there, um, like career wise? Obviously there was university and like just before yeah. that. Um, did you do any work before university or anything or? Um, I've sort of always worked um, for the family business, which is scaffolding. I've always done that in my um, in like the the school holidays and stuff. So I wasn't I wasn't shy of a bit hard graft, but yeah. um, obviously I always got told, and I, I know we'll probably end up touching on this later on. Um, I always got told off my dad, "Don't be a scaffolder, son. Don't do it." Although he had his own business, he was just saying, "You you you sort of better than this," um, and I'm. I'm sure, like a lot of other parents, have have told their kids the same, the same thing. But I was always told, "You're better than this. Go off and do university." Like you know, like because that's that's the. I think that's probably the working class dream for the kids. For for your kids, if you're working class, yeah. your dream is for your kids to go on to university and have a better and easier life than what you had. And I think that's obviously just the go-to thought process of how you achieve that. Um, but yeah, I, I I was obviously always in scaffolding and I always sort of understood that sort of that side of things. Um, but as with everyone from from my background in any way, I went to university, didn't really have anything in mind that I wanted to do. Picked business and IT because you know it kind of fit what I 
was thinking about doing. Went to university, that was a bit of a drunken haze. Got my 2-1 and then thought, what the hell do I do now? Um, so kind of came out of university as the orphan children of a Great Recession. <laughs> Not many jobs flying around, but we ended up, well, I ended up working, getting a job about a year after I left at Hewlett-Packard, which is where I met you. Yeah. And I guess, I guess to touch on, on university in general, is that something that, like, how do you look back on it? I mean, obviously, like, a lot of us look back on it and, like, you like say, like a drunken haze, but um, is that something that you, that you um, well, not regret, well, you might regret, I don't know, but, like, is that something you, yeah, regret doing or, or what did you learn from that or you glad you did that? <clears throat> from an entirely, like, you know, hard skills, like, is this going to get you a job perspective? Like, I would, if I was, if I was advising my kids here, given my own experiences, so just simply coming from that perspective, I'd say don't go to university unless you're doing, you know what you want to do, you're doing university, you're doing law, you're doing something with like where at the end of it, you, you actually have a, like a quantifiable skill in something. Yeah. Um. Whereas what I did, because it was like quite a general area and that general area, I wasn't really that passionate about. I never like felt followed it up like outside of university. I never got those like little add-ons that really I think now, especially in this environment, like you need those little add-ons to like be be above the rest, you know, like to get that job in the corporate world that everyone's fighting for. I was never really, you know, passionate about because I, I didn't really see sort of business and IT as like an actual thing that I had to develop, maybe. Sure. Um, like you were coming and getting theory because you did a similar thing to me, didn't you? Like, I, obviously, I'm interested to hear your your thoughts about it. But you, you got a lot of theory stuff, but I never really thought much of it transferred to the real world. Oh no, I mean, I, like I've said previously on the podcast, like I learned near on like nothing at university, yeah. other than potentially the three weeks that I did my dissertation. Um, yeah, but like. Yeah, I think there was one. There was one lecturer who who I went to. Who I went to the the lectures because he was he was actually he'd had like experience in. But he had his own business. Uh, he's written yeah. his own book, and he's a really interesting guy. And he actually later on became one of my customers, which is really nice. But um, oh yeah. Other than that, like literally learned fuck all. But it was more that I had the the university sort of like experience, like you know, moving to a different city, yeah. going out, being a student. Which arguably shouldn't you shouldn't be paying like what you know university fees for, <laughs> and you potentially could just skip the whole you know academic part of it out. But um, no, so, um, so yeah, so I guess I yes, yeah, so about did a very simple. Well, I think the same, pretty much the same course to you, and then do, do you do you feel like sorry, I'm I'm butting in. No, but do you it. feel like rather than an actual like a skill? Do you feel like though the one thing at university did give you was kind of like I don't want to say like an arrogance, but like it kind of gave it was it was probably just more confidence that like you'd been to something there was like people around you who said look like you're intelligent enough to do to sort of get by in the corporate world the world that we're preparing you for because you've got this qualification and then did that like do you think give you at least a bit of a confidence to go out there and say right well i'm ready for this job whereas if 
if someone who hadn't went to university was faced with a graduate job, they might think, oh, well, I can't do this. Whereas really, us having experienced university, we don't really think there's that much difference between ourselves and someone who hasn't went, as long as they've still got like a bit of intelligence. Do you know what, like, what I'm getting at? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I, mean I mean, I think you could, you could, yeah, you could also see it as a way of kind of getting from A to B, a kind of a, a, a hoop to jump through. And that, like, you know, say if we really had wanted to be, at, you know, in that corporate job when we met, it, we, we, you know, we might have, like, say our friend Susie, who's been on the podcast previously, she she wanted to be there. That's what she wanted to do. So if you yeah. were, if you're that person, then like you've, you've, yeah, oh, like, definitely. You know, we've, we've, we've gone through that process and got there on, I guess, on merit. But like, uh, and I guess, yeah. yeah, if you hadn't have gone, gone to that university degree, you probably wouldn't have been in that place uh, in, in, in the yeah. first place. Um, but it, I guess it's more, yeah, I don't know. It's strange when you kind of, yeah, you kind of think that this, this, you've got this big goal of, of kind of, I mean, well, I guess what was it? I guess was it a goal for you, like when you're at university, to get like a graduate job or? Yeah, and it, my goal was to be comfortable in life. My goal was to do some things that yeah. other people had done. But you know, in hindsight, like I've never really like most. I'd say ninety percent of things that I've achieved in my life, I had absolutely no intention of doing. It, I've kind of just stumbled upon them. I've done it, and then I've reflected and I've said, well. That, that was good going, well done. Like, how did you do that? How did you get there? And a lot of the time when I look back, it's more just like because the type of person like I feel like I am, you know, like I'll, I'll take a little opportunity here and there. And it's interesting as well, like you mentioned about Susie, how she's been on before. Obviously, we, we both know Susie really well. Um, and you mentioned that, like, that is what she wanted to do. Mm. And like, when I think about it, like, I thought, oh, I was going to go to university I'm going to get this corporate job. And and honestly, even given that we're coming through, call it naivety, even given that we're going through sort of a, a major recession, I thought once I come out of university, I was going to get a job in a big company. And within like three to five years, I was going to have the corner office. I was going to be on like yeah. 50, 60, 70 grand salary. Like, <laughs> and that was it. Once you'd done university, you had those things. That, that was your initiation. And as soon as you'd proven yourself, but it was just completely different. Like we're going to the corporate world. And as I say, said with Susie, she wanted to be there. That's what she wanted to do. So when you're in that corporate world, going for them jobs, and they do exist, the, the jobs for 50, 60K with the office and, you know, the responsibilities. They well, I guess exist, you could argue that that's but, where Susie is now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, well, ex yeah, exactly. That, we know they exist because Susie's there. But like I was, like for myself, and I can probably say the same for you, me, me and you, neither of us wanted to, once we'd, once we'd experienced it a few months and realised it wasn't where I wanted to be, we were having to compete with people like Susie who wanted to be there. Yeah. And it's no competition because if you want to do something and you want that lifestyle and you know you want to work for a big corporation and have everything that comes with that, like you're you're always going to be a better player at it. You're always going to do better than, than, than two lads, no matter how and like good you are, intelligent you are, if you don't want to be there you're not going to get what you want out of it. You're not going to get that end goal. You've got to want it. You've got to have it. And it's the same with everything. So, I mean, obviously, a year into it, well, earlier than that, I think I sort of found that out. <laughs> and um, 
it just so happened that, you know, I'd met you as a mate and obviously we decided to, I kind of, I, I knew you were leaving a year after and, and to be perfectly honest, it, half of us used the fact that you were leaving as an excuse to sort of bail out myself because I, I didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Um, and obviously I just mentioned that you were on the internship, which only lasted a year in itself. Whereas I had a full-time graduate job there, which could have potentially went on forever. <laughs> um, but luckily in hindsight, reflecting on that, like I got out when I did. Uh, yeah. And I guess, so, I mean, I'm kind of like asking this question, kind of knowing, the, well, because obviously I was in the same position, but I guess what, like, was there anything that you were just like, Oh, like, could you can you can you put your finger on like why the kind of corporate world wasn't for you or do you think it was just like you know like you just like oh this you know this because yeah, obviously I, we, we could have we it's, it's not necessarily the corporate world is it i mean we we could have kind of gone oh like right let's go and you know set up our own it company or you know like yeah uh yeah i, I guess we just sort yeah. of, i guess we realized that that wasn't our real kind of passion in life and i guess we just maybe yeah, both think... maybe both realized that there was something else out there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think obviously it's hard to answer that question without being like like unintentionally rude to people who do stay in those jobs yeah <laughs> well from my perspective it is like because you know my after a year being there my my whole mantra about it was like why the hell would anyone want to stay it's an absolute prison mm. you know like for me I, i'd rather just you know the, the money didn't the, the extra whatever you know when you start off the extra five ten grand you get compared to someone who might be you know doing something they love but for a really low wage like i'll make an example if you love horses and there's a job going looking after sick horses but it only pays 10 15 grand i'd much rather be doing that job than you know for an extra 10 10 grand on top of that be doing sort of what we did yeah um from like you know looking around and it's obviously the sort of people that you're competing with you know i, I, I don't know what to say I, maybe they're sort of built for it but for me it just seemed like I was going in and working for someone who I've never known. I've never met the, the living, the living a foreign land as far as HP was considered, uh, um, as far as HP went. Um, and I just, the, the whole culture of it, it just wasn't for me. Um, I don't know what, did you have the sort of similar, similar, I'm, I'm trying, I'm finding it difficult to vocalize sort of, what it was and put my finger on it but i mean the one word that keeps bringing up in the mind is like culture yeah um, no I, I yeah i'm the same it is it is quite difficult to kind of put your finger on like why but it, it, yeah it, it is the that whole kind of corporate lifestyle where you kind of i think if you, I, I mean like like say our friend Susie, you know she's embraced it and then she enjoys it but like i think we quickly yeah realized that yeah i think the that whole big company culture um you know yeah you, you you have a you might have a direct boss that's in the same office as you you might not but yeah kind of who are you working for like what are you working for i mean um, like in terms of freedom like you you're moving at the pace of of the the giant corporate structure you've yeah. got to abide by the rules of that giant corporate structure because you know they, they don't want to upset anyone they don't want to like rock any boats they, they've got their massive government contracts and it's 
at that point, you're just helping them keep them. You're just helping them turn that money over, um, maintain contracts that are making them, you know, plenty of money. Um, whether, well, I'll say making them plenty of money, but that doesn't say that the company was making plenty of money in itself, profit-wise. I think revenue, they were turning over plenty, but from what I would say, the way the company was was ran, it was the, you know, there's an expression, cutting the fat. I think there was a hell of a lot of hell of a lot of fat there. There was a, probably around, it was low productivity. There was probably around three or four people doing the jobs of one person, but we've always had our suspicions that the employment of graduates there came hand in hand with having government contracts. And I know I've said this a few times and I've always thought that the mass employment at the time of people who weren't really doing much, who didn't really need to do much was sort of a, a government kickback, you know, yeah. like, um, I, I've always had my suspicions. I, I'd cause a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but, <laughs> I guess another thing for me was that, that I could obviously see people who were further along down the line um, in their career and I, could, I, I, I didn't I, there wasn't anyone that I looked at and went yeah like, I want to be him yeah you know and I think yeah. you, like you, you do need yeah, that or, or like almost yeah. although I could, there was no bit. sort of motivation there was no one who you're like I want his life in 20 years time yeah there was no one who I, I was like yeah he he does he's doing it well him like if i'm like him in 20 years time like i'll be happy yeah um then that was never the case i never met anyone there like that it's not to say that there wasn't some really decent genuine people there it was more the case of you know because of how long they've probably spent in that sort of lifestyle and that sort of structure there was it was impossible to be your own person i think it was impossible to sort of um be be a bit different yeah you know? so so um, i guess that's our corporate bashing done um yeah <laughs> so, well so i guess we, well we, we uh, i guess that's us never getting a job in <laughs> hb or the corporate world yeah i mean that's a, a good job we don't want um so i well i guess yeah so after that we i guess the next step is that we we both went traveling didn't we so yeah, because uh, you you were in you go to Australia first, and then, then and then I met you in Thailand. Is that right? Yeah, I d- I did a quick um, zip around Australia. I well, I, I mean, I quit, but I'd I'd like sort of lined up another job. Um, didn't didn't actually pan out the way I thought it would, but yeah, I mean, I'd lined up another job that was meant to be starting in September. Um. And then, yeah, I went off to Australia. I waited for you to finish because you were obviously a month later than me um, in terms of finishing. I, um, I think I better mention that when I decided I was leaving HP, when you first joined HP, you got, what, was it a £3,000? Yeah, it was a £3,000 golden handshake. But if you're left within the first year, you had to pay back a proportion of that. So I handed in my notice. So the day I left was the day... Uh, my year was up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went off to Australia by myself, um, hung around for yourself, and then we met in Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think we met. Uh, I did Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, and then we met in Thailand. Yeah, and then we yeah, because we were, so we did like a month around Thailand, which was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I guess what was your um, 
What was your because you said you had a, next, a job lined up? What was what was that, or did that not work out? <clears throat> um, that one didn't work out. Well, it it did work out. Um, long story, really, but um, I applied for something that I actually thought I was I would be really good at. Um, it was something called at the time. I mean, it's still going now. Um, called the NCA. It was set up by the government because um, at the time there'd been a lot of sort of terrorist attacks and it was kind of like the UK answer to like the FBI sort of thing, like a sort of comparison. Um, and I thought I'd be really good at the, good at that sort of job. Um, so I applied for an intelligence role. I passed that and I got that. And then I asked us if I wanted to go for an interview for um, a officer. So that would like be sort of getting your warrant card. It wouldn't just be in like an office. It would be, you know, go, going along and like basically being on the streets. Um, and then I, I I went for the interview for that and I, I got that as well. So basically I left that job and I was absolutely over the moon. I had a job starting in September, pretty much. I mean, I wouldn't call it a dream job because it's not something I'd ever sort of dreamt of, but it was me thinking, you know, bloody hell I've landed on my feet here. Like this is, this could be amazing. Mm. Um, did a, did a good few few months away over the summer, came back to it, um, had an email saying that um, because of the time, um, because uh, there was a lot of sort of terrorist attacks going on, it wasn't the right time to be swapping over the work that my job would have entailed from MI5 to to the NCA. So that kind of left me without a role. Um, They said they'd bring us on as an admin person and I'd, I'd, I'd probably be in the role I wanted within six months. But once I got down there, I realised it wasn't the case. So that was that, really. I just thought, I'm not going to keep chasing this. If they can't make any guarantees, I'm, I'm not staying. Because, you know, the role I ended up in just wasn't what I'd... Wasn't what I... Not anything to do with what I'd envisioned. It wasn't at all what I'd even originally applied for. So, yeah, um, yeah, that was that. So it kind of didn't work out. And then I was sort of left back at square one. Um, but given the situation I was in, I've always had, I've always had sort of scaffolding to fall back onto, um, which I just went straight back in, into really. Um, and then, you know, I was kind of in a situation where I've got to find something to do. Um, did, cause I remember that time though, when I was back, me and you, we were still going out, weren't we? You were living in Jesmond and you were, we weren't in a, were you working in um, Port House at that point, or Saltwater? Uh, possibly. I can't think of the timings now, but yeah. Oh no, you 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 still had a year at uni. Yeah, so you were you were living in Jesmond, and you still had a year at uni. So, so we were still going out as if we we're uni students. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was Mark. <laughs> For the I was still going out as if I was a uni student. Yeah. I think I was 24, so I was pushing it a bit, I reckon. <laughs> okay, so yeah. I guess uh, you've kind of gone back to scaffolding on a, on a temporary basis. Then what was next? It was on a temporary basis. Um, and then, <laughs> it's it's weird going through this, um, and then I decided I'd try my hand at, at teaching. <laughs> so I applied for a PGCE in the closest thing possible to what I had my degree in, which was computer science. Um and I got on, I got on it. 
Um, fantastic grant uh, from the government, tax free, it was great. Um, I had a year's worth of training at two schools. Was it was okay? I had a. I ended up in a um, in a school in Timeout where I did the the second part of my teacher training and. It was just some really lovely people there. It was a bit of a different experience to what I'd originally had at my first school. Um, it wasn't wasn't that great. Um, the mentor wasn't very mentory. Um, but then by the time I got my second school, that was it. Was a completely opposite, flipped it on its head. Like my mentor was absolutely fantastic, like really inspiring. Like she she was she didn't go. She was very anti culture. She was like didn't really go for the whole like you know. Sometimes you, you get like an environment where it's quite bitchy in schools, and you know yeah. she was a, she was very much a like a, a sort of shield for all that for me. Um, where you know I, she would she would sort of stop any sort of impact from you know I don't know. There's just always been a culture in schools where there's there's, there's bitchiness all around, and people are sort of backstabbing in a really weird way. Like the government's got like people really turning on each other a lot of the time. Um, and uh, to be perfectly honest, I, or every intention of of staying on in teaching, there was a job going at the school I was at, and then this this teacher who was fantastic decided that she was going back to Bermuda to teach. Um, because she'd got back in touch with like a long lost boyfriend. It was pretty cool actually. Um, and then and then that was that was that really. Um, I just thought I don't really want this job anymore. It was under someone who I didn't really respect. And then it was back to scaffolding. Um, which so, is I mean, pretty much what I've been ever since. So had you seen a uh, like you'd not see a future in teaching, or was it? You I mean do you think if that person had stayed on, you might actually be still doing it? Or yeah, um, the only problem I ever had with teaching, well, I, there was a lot of the paperwork that I that I didn't really appreciate. But the only real issue I had was like the culture at schools. Like it, I think beyond a lot of other industries, I think it's really important the people you have around you. Yeah. In that that sort of environment, like who who is your superior? Who's your line manager? Who's going to guide you through this? Like, because they're either going to set you up as someone who basically just 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 takes you know takes all the shit off people. Like, you know, they're going to set you up as someone who is a slave to the rules of you know of, of schools where they're basically saying you've got to do this amount of extra work and you've got to work through your summer holidays and you know. You've got to do this amount of of extra curricular, and, and she was someone who was like, "Look, like you're here to teach, and and that's all I sort of expect of you. If you want to do anything extra, that that's up to you." Yeah, and it was obviously quite refreshing um, to have that from someone in that sort of industry. So I, I'm more than likely would have stayed in it, and I would have probably found my feet, but it just I don't think it was to be at that time in my life. Have you got any any? Stories that you're willing to share from that time time in your in your, in your life, or are they not not uh, <laughs> acceptable um, for the public uh, for the public eye? Definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just little little daft things like well, not definitely not, just little daft things like um, in my first school there was a couple of kids who who just were not. I mean, it was a bit of a rough school. I'm not going to say the school that I was teaching in. Um, but 
there was a there was a there was a couple of kids who just you know I didn't mind the naughty kids. I didn't mind the bad lads or whatever. You know, I, I think there was a few personalities, and you know, once you once you work them out, it, it's absolutely fine. You know, like you, you sort of understand how to get get to them. You know, they're just kids at the end of the day. But there was a few of them who were like really little sadistic, sadistic bastards. Really, like, um, you know, like, so you just find you you find your way to cope with it. You know, the the way that they go on. So there was a couple of times when. You know, I was a new teacher, so I was I was sort of taking over. And there was a couple of times when I'd set homework, and you know, they'd, they'd push the boundaries. Um, so there was there was sort of this one, one kid, um, and this ties in with me talking about my mentor and 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 how I don't think she was really that great. Um, I had set some homework for the week after. I was very clear it had to be in for you know the Thursday when we had the the class. Um, this one lad had came in, said he didn't have homework. Um, and the problem with what I what I was doing at the time is that the teachers always sat in the back of the room, sort of observing and watching you. So it kind of undermines your authority a little bit. Um, and basically, this this one lad had, had said I haven't got it, and I, I was like, right, well, detention. And then at that time. Um, I don't know why, but the teacher had sort of butted in and said, "No, I tell you what, we'll we'll give him till dinner. We'll give him till like break time tomorrow." Um, and obviously, I, I wasn't very happy about that. Um, but obviously, what she said said when. So yeah. um, he he came in the day after, um, and I was sat in the in. Sorry, as well, she she said, "I tell you what, you bring it to me because she, she could see I had a problem with it." Um, and the, the next day I was in the, the little mini staff room for our, for our group of teachers for computer science and um, the lad had brought his homework in and obviously looking for this other teacher and I just said, look, just leave it there, will you? I'll, I'll give it to her. Um, took it off him and I just put it straight in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I sort of just like never said anything and then the next class came around, and the lad, the the teacher had said to the lad, "You haven't, you haven't brought your homework in." And then he was like, "Yeah, I did, I did, I did." And I just said, "No, you didn't." And then it was my word against his, and he ended up with a detention. So, you know, it's little things like that where you've you've sort of got to got to play it a little bit cool with a lot of people and and <laughs> be a bit of a dick. But you know, it's it's kind of what got you through the days sometimes. So. Um, yeah, uh, you, you'll be you'll, you'll be a real loss to the teaching profession, Mark. I think. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, it's going straight. They've been like, I'm, I'm not having that with them. Like, I, I told them it was a time, and then the, it was, it was, it was more the teacher's fault, like showing their minders, and I wasn't happy with that. So, yeah, I would have probably had problems with them for the rest of the rest of the the year if if, if I didn't sort of in a way like put my foot down. <laughs> so yeah. So I guess obviously. Yeah. Took a step back from teaching, and then you went back to back to scaffolding. And, and where did you kind of go next? Um, I've pretty much been I've been scaffolding ever since. My my time in um, teaching actually has um, done as done as done as a great service in the in the scaffolding industry because you know sometimes there's a lot of a lot of very childlike mentalities out there, and you've got to sort of motivate or deal with or just pretty much put up with with a lot of shit um so it's it's kind of worked out that way you put up with a lot of shit though don't you um 
um, Jamie, your time as a uh, as a waiter and as a, a general manager. That's very true. Yeah, he has to deal with all sorts of characters from all sorts all yeah. of life. Um, yeah, I remember you telling us a few stories, and I've always thought, like, you know, I don't know how I would deal with that sort of the customer's always right situation. Yeah, I mean, it, I get the customer, like, you should always make the customer think that they're right at, least, at the very I think that's people's come back to that one, but even that's, uh, yeah, it can be extremely difficult. Um, I guess, Come on, Jamie, tell us a story. This is what I'm, well, I'm I didn't have one lined up. You, um, you do, well, yeah, you, uh, yeah, but you've got stories about about when you've had to deal with people and not not just about you doing anything particular, but how specific people have been with you. I always loved, I always loved hearing a, a GM story. <laughs> I, well, I mean, an easy one that comes to mind is is just is there. One lady who just wanted specific seats and and just wouldn't take no for an answer, um, because I mean like um, for anyone that's not been like saltwater fish companies, it's got got nineteen seats. There's very and there's only um, there's only nine stools sitting around the the counter, so you get to watch the the chefs prepare the food. Um, yeah, and I basically had uh, and so there's no uh, so we. We take reservations, sorry, but there's no. We have a kind of policy that you don't. Um, we don't guarantee certain seats, which is very. It yeah. can be really difficult to manage at times. Um, so, basically, uh, we had a VIP coming in who always sat on the end, um, and you know, like, like in most restaurants, you, you have to kind of give. Can you name names with VIPs or? Uh, no, I won't. I won't on. on. Okay. okay. Um, you wouldn't want anyone to listen to this and know that they were actually being called a VIP. Or oh no, no, they know they're a VIP. But anyway, so I had someone that it was a regular customer who I knew very well, who uh, you know always sat in the, on the on the, the end seats, and this this other group of uh, ladies had requested the end seats, and uh, and so I sat them in the middle, and the end seats were free. So, oh. so she said, well, we requested the end seats. Why can't we sit there? And I said, well, we, we don't guarantee uh, we don't guarantee seats. She said, well, I know, but we were the first ones here. Uh, and so, you know, I kind of just like, I just, I was just shedding out any excuse I could. Um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, the, the, these customers, you know, when you look at it as a business, these customers are, you know, worth thousands and thousands of pounds a year. You know, I'm going to prioritize them. They're going to get what they want. Um, I try and yeah. make you try. You try and make everyone happy. I'm like, I'm not being. I'm not wasn't being a dick to this woman. Um, I was just saying, yeah. you know, you sit here. It's like if you meet, it's different. That's it. Um, and she just wouldn't drop it. She just wouldn't drop it. And she, you know, oh. uh, I, I, there was nothing I could do at that point. You know, I just I said, I was like, look, these, you know, these are the seats. Like, I'm sorry, like that's all I've got for you today. Um, you know, you can sit on the back wall if you want. You can do whatever. Anyway, so one of my other, one of my like, another customer, another regular, just like butted in, and she just started absolutely going out and said, "Like Jamie's trying his best to do this," and just stuck up for me. And she had an argument with her for fifteen minutes. Oh God! Uh, while I just actually got on with my job. So uh, yeah, so it's quite nice when other customers um, like yeah. stick up for you. And uh, now, what was the reaction when Mister VIP walked in? 
sat at the end? Uh, well, unfortunately, he walked in and gave me a massive hug. <laughs> oh, uh, and at no. that point, the other woman walked out. <laughs> I <was just> like, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but what can you do? What can you do? So, yeah, yeah it, it, it was interesting because it, it became almost like a, not like a private members club. Because it's, not that, it's not that at all. But, you know, it was difficult to manage in such a small space keeping everyone happy yeah. um, what, what, what do you think you know like at that time and obviously after we both sort of left the corporate world like were you happy to be there or what like was what, that- what was what we found like sort of going back to what you because we, we, we've always said like you know I, I started off in scaffolding and I, I pretty much ended here and you you started off in, in the box tree wasn't it waiting and you, you've, you've done full circle as well albeit maybe with a few less steps than me (laughs) (laughs) well yeah yeah so I think that's what's kind of interesting about both our stories really is that we have kind of both almost gone back to the beginning but I don't know I mean for me yeah I finished university knowing that IT and the corporate world wasn't for me um yeah so and it was kind of like well and in my final year at university I'd gone back to hospitality um mainly because when we came back from traveling, I was skin, uh, you know, needed yeah. money. Um, and it was an easy way to get, you know, get a job and get some money together for me. Um, didn't really, you know, I didn't want to go back into fine dining. I, like, I was like, I've done that. Um, then sure enough, like one of my old bosses rung me up and I was just like, fine, yeah, yeah, fine. End up loving yeah. it. Um, and I guess, yeah, I did sort of like the, when I did like the competition and stuff like that, that, that kind of like, made me realize that, that there was maybe maybe yeah. maybe more of a career path and i thought um and so that I just, competition will you elaborate the, the, well it's like uh royal, royal academy of culinary arts um yeah oh, really yeah a little, little name drop there <laughs> little name drop yeah so it's like an annual awards of excellence for like for service so just like a kind of like national young way of the year type of thing um yeah. and you get you get to go to like fancy hotels and uh, so yeah and then you get like a nice dinner at the end of it and uh, uh, where was it now um, can't remember um, anyway yeah so I think just like that I, I basically when I finished uni I think I gave myself like six months or something I was like you know or I didn't put a time limit on I just said I said you know I'm going to give myself a few months I'm just going to put 100% into trying to get a career in hospitality I was you know put on like a management scheme um, and I was like, well, let's just see where it goes. Um, yeah. So I guess, but at the same time, I think I'd always, I'd always wanted to have my own. I've always known that I wanted my own restaurant or business. Um, uh-huh. Like deep down, I've, I've always, and I always said that as a kid. But then I think I just maybe, not that I regret going to uni or anything like that, or doing anything that any of the things that I've done. But I think maybe I got caught up in the. You know, I can't help thinking that, you know, has that all just been a distraction from getting to what I actually yeah. want to do, which is what yeah. I'm, you know, what I'm now you know, trying to achieve by the end of this year to, to open up my own business. So, I think so, I think sometimes like, what you know, when you're earlier on in your life, I think there's probably like, I mean, I don't want to just generally categorize everyone, but I think there's, a, there's usually two types of people. There's like those who are probably like, you know, I want to do this. I don't care if I'm working for someone else. You know, I, I want to go into this role of work and I, I'm, I'm going to do it, you know, no matter what. And they've got sort of some direction. But I think 
the case has been with me and you, like where we've kind of been those people that have went, well, we're not really sure what we want to do. We know we want to do it for ourselves, though. Like we want to have that sort of freedom of of choosing the career path where we're doing it for ourselves. But obviously, eventually, it, we're going to have to find something that we're happy to do it in. Yeah. Um. And obviously, you're you're you know you're after that this year. Um. And we've discussed. I think you know it's probably one of the, uh, you know, contrary to what people maybe think, it's one of the best times to start up a, a, a restaurant for yourself. You know, like I think people are loving the sort of individuality. I think big restaurant chains, for the most part, are pretty much dying on the feet because you know when no matter what, you could go to your little personal cafe, spend forty quid on a night out, and really feel like you've been looked after by someone who owns the cafe or, or the or the, the restaurant or you can go to one of the big chain names spend the same if not more get ripped off for drinks and the food not being that good and the service not really being that attentive um so i, I honestly think that coming out of this you know I, I know you've obviously done your market research right so you'll know more than me but you, you're probably in a you're in a good you're in a good position to sort of get there I mean, what do you think? Um, do you think this time next year you'll be a millionaire? Or <laughs> I won't quite. Get <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, who knows? The, yeah, the, it, hopefully there will be a lot, you know, sort of more opportunity in the market. Certainly, uh, not that I'm hoping that other businesses, you know, fail or anything. But I think that's kind of the reality of it at, at the minute. It's very difficult. So, um, kind of, it's you know, the, the hopefully the only way is up. Uh, you know, and hopefully people have still got the, the, uh, you know, the money to spend at the end of it. And but I think people maybe, yeah. you know, be eager to get get uh, out and about after <laughs> after this this phase. Um, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But I guess I guess so. Oh, actually, there was one thing that we missed off of your career. Um, I think there was a, there was a um, slight stint in in modelling, was there not? Oh god! Look at how well I was trying to brush over this entire thing. <laughs> I had you talking. <laughs> you know what? I never. I, I had you talking so well, and when you mentioned you did a competition before, oh, the first yeah. thing that came to mind was your stint on telly. But I thought, you know what? I'm not going to mention that because then he'll mention modelling. <laughs> <laughs> and then now look where we are. You couldn't help yourself, could you? Well, that was it because there was a, there was a, a, like a time period where we were both we were both on telly. <laughs> so I, I guess how I mean, come on, just uh, how did you how did you get into a, you know was um, the competition? Yeah, well, it was when I was back to like after teaching. I was sort was it after? Yeah, it was just after I'd finished sort of my teaching degree, and I, I was back just scaffolding. Um. <laughs> And you know what? I, I kind of used to tell this story with a with a bit of like a laugh, but now I just think, God, hey, like, were people worried about me at the time? Like, were they entering us <laughs> into these sort of things to try and show us that there was more to life? Like, <laughs> um, my my mom entered us into a, a, a hot bods competition on ITV <laughs> through the snow through Larry and Kelly. Um, is a joke, is a laugh because. It, I literally, I was I was working on site one time, and I she was like, "Oh, you coming around for tea?" Because I, I moved out at the time, 
And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, like, I've entered you into this hot bods competition. And I was like, mom, that is weird, but okay. And then I literally <laughs> thought nothing else of it. Um, and then next thing I know, how did it come about again? Who tell us? Next thing I know, that they just says, will you, will you go up to Glasgow? So I was in Glasgow doing just the cringiest stuff. You know, it's all for telly. So, you know, there's about 20 of them. Um, and the guy who was running the whole thing, like Lorraine Kelly goes to like an outside agency. And he was like, look, like whether you get through on this, she has my card, give us a bell if you ever sort of in London. And I was like, oh yeah, I was, I was, you know, I, I was, you know, I was flattered to be honest. Like I was like, Look, I've never thought about this in my life, but you you know, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, don't really go to London that much, but you know, but he was he was he was adamant, you know, to get in touch and um but um basically I'd made it to the final three. So they've done <laughs> I was on Lorraine Kelly a couple of times, um, basically in the heats. Came second to a forty-year-old guy. Um, I'll still maintain to this day that was a miscount. But <laughs> I think I think you had the older. I think you had the sympathy vote. That's what I'm going to say. Sorry, Johnny, but I think you had the sympathy vote. Um, yeah, it was weird, man. It was weird behind the scenes. You don't really understand what it's like until you just like strolling around and you like you're seeing seeing some stars in the green room and whatnot. Um, so and yeah, and you you had a bit of fame because you came on it, didn't you? Oh, I did, I did. I came, I came <laughs> down. Uh, I think when was it? I was in like Debenhams or something. Was, that, was there like a deal with Debenhams or whatever? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was like a. It was to to sort of front a new line for them, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. I had a little chat with Lorraine. I was like the token. Yeah. No, it was me. It was me and your mum, was it? It's like, yeah, Mark, he's done, he's done really well. We never thought I'd be doing this. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what I said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just a surreal sort of period. And, you know, looking back on, I'm like, you know, fair play. I was in a, um, I was in the Mirror newspaper. And if you actually search this, it will come up. Um, an article about Lorraine Kelly objectifying men. Um, <laughs> like a full, full like spread about how Lorraine Kelly touched my chest and referred to us as a smooth baby. And um, basically they were saying if the shoe was on the other foot and a man had done that to a woman, like they'd be hell on. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. You know, like it comes to someone yeah, the the getting offended for me, you know, like it, you've got to take these things within context, don't you? So yeah, it was a load of rubbish, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a claim to fame as well. Um, she was lovely, Lorraine as well, wasn't she? She was lovely, yeah. She was uh, lovely. I guess. Did you bump into anyone else uh, along the way? Um, I mean, wait. There's one. Oh, so weird. Forgot about this one. Um, was it? I think it was when I was filming for like. There was a bit before the final. There was a bit where like all three of the finalists came on to Lorraine Kelly. And like had a little seated seat, like sit down with them, and you know a bit of a bit of a chit chat, like actually on the rain, Kelly. Um, so before this, I was I was in London, and um, you know I had my time to get there, I had to get there, you know, daft o'clock, half seven, seven or something. Um, and I came in through like the back entrance, so there's like an entrance at the front where like all the audiences and stuff will go, 
and then there's like a backside entrance where like cars just literally pull up and like drop the star, off. Like, the star so I was I was in the star entrance, and it's like you know for a star entrance it wasn't very star like it was literally just a, a reception desk with like two like metal movable sort of outdoor seats like it was so weird like literally just little steel seats and she was like oh yeah you just sit there like there'll be there'll be like a runner come down to get you um so when i was sitting there i was just minding my own business and um, big black mercedes turns up outside um shofa runs around opens the door walking towards us it's chris tarrant um and then he gets he comes in and he gets told exactly the same thing to take a sit, seat on the only other seat which was right next to me chris tarrant just like sat there like touching shoulders with him so i was like you know what i'm not missing this opportunity at all chris tarrant so i lit honestly I'm, it must have been pretty cringy but i was like look at chris like i'm going on I'm referring to him his first name um I'm going on. I'm going on telly later. I says like, if you got any sort of tips or pointers, you know, um, and he's so sad. He's literally turned around. He went, "Oh, you really? What? What are you going on?" He was like, "Look at Mark. Just talk absolute shit." And I was like, "What?" He was like, "Just go on and talk shit." He says, "That's all I ever do. I go on. <laughs> I never plan anything. Go on, talk a little bit of shit. Like, you know, like you'll be fine." And like he starts to ask us what's what's going on, you know, we'll get like like proper into this like conversation. We're both sat there ten minutes, like like he's dead interested in everything that's happened. Like, you know, I I literally didn't think that he was really gonna give us a time of day. And then like obviously they told me a runner was coming down. Um a runner came down, went to Chris Town and went, um, Chris, we're ready for you now. Do you wanna come with me? Um and then the girl, the runner who came down looked at me to like verify as if like are you coming as well and went like come on and let's go you two and I was like okay like obviously thinking that she was going to drop me off where I was going mm. and Chris was going to go somewhere else but we went upstairs and I get put in this like executive suite behind the scenes with Chris Tarrant and then the door gets closed behind us and I'm in one of these like rooms like a dressing room just me Chris Tarrant and a plate of croissants <laughs> And like fruit so like chris points to a seat and just as if to say make yourself comfortable so I, i'm not gonna i wasn't questioning any of this i just sat down i was just saying oh me and chris tarrant are sharing a room now like he sits <laughs> us down in this like he sits down next to us and we'll continue on the conversation so i'm like eating chris tarrant's croissants he's like like cracking on about i think he was promoting these trains you, you know chris tarrant by train yeah. or whatever he was promoting that so he was telling us all about his show and like time was ticking by and i was like no one's told us to do anything i was getting you know it was it was getting weird like i, I was in this shut shut off room and um about 10 minutes after that and i must have you know it must have been 20 minutes before i was meant to be on like the door burst open and this runner woman comes straight back in and she's like are you mark anderson i'm like yeah yeah and she's like, well, you're on the wrong floor. This is Good Morning Britain. You need to go to Lorraine Kelly's. There's like an ITP-wide search for you. And I was like, well, I, I was just with, I got told to come here. And she was like, oh, well, I thought you were, I thought you were Chris Tarrant's publicist. Sorry, I've got to add in. In the meantime, before this happened, the producer for Chris Tarrant's show came in, sat on the chair opposite with 
was running through the questions with Chris Tarrant of what she was going to ask. And then she was looking at me <laughs> as sort of like his public relations guy and asking if that question was okay. So I'm sat here just nodding along, agreeing <laughs> that these questions are okay from uh, for them to ask him during this like like interview on on telly. And she left and nothing was said. So obviously this last came down for us and Chris was like, you know, get yourself away. You know, got a few selfies with him and stuff. And um, yeah, ended up on back up onto my floor and literally got changed and got pushed out, pushed out on nothing, just just stumbled in to this 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 like TV audience of like a million people and didn't even know what I was talking about. So yeah, it was that was a bit mad. Did Chris Tarrant never like yeah. say, "Oh no, no, he's not my like publicist or something"? Like, did he? Never questioned. The, the, he definitely knew that they were treating me as his publicist, and I was going along with it. He was going along with it, and like, I'm not going to start arguing with Chris Tarrant. You know, like at the end of the day, like he knows. So yeah, he, he never said anything. <laughs> so I mean, if you you could have actually, we're obviously talking about career paths. You could have actually just continued on. As you, you might have become Chris Tarrant's publicist. It was Chris Tarrant's pay. <laughs> yeah, it would be an interesting job, like. It would yeah. been amazing. But yeah, I had to come back up north. I had to get my feet back to the ground. So, yeah, so I guess, yeah, come back to, yeah, so back to reality, back to the capital thing. That was off on a bit of a, a bit of a tangent. We had story, but yeah. <laughs> so I guess, and the, the career, you didn't, like you didn't pursue the career path of, of uh, being a model. Uh, no, n- not for me. I, um, you know what? I, could, I do. I feel for them because the amount of reject. Because obviously, beyond that, like I did, like sort of signed for like a model company, but you literally like I, I couldn't do that job. Like I'll scaffold all day. Like literally, the the amount of rejection that you had to deal with on a day to day basis for no reason. Like absolutely no reason. Like obviously. There's people in the industry that think you've got a certain look that that them people might want, and then they send you to the to the um, the casting for whatever they think you're going to be good for, and then obviously you're lined up against X amount of people who are all professionals and know exactly what to do, and oh, it's just it's just rejection after rejection. And I think I did it about twice. I did it about two days, and then they were like, "Look, this is normal," and I was like, "Yeah, but it's not really for me." Yeah. So um, going back home, uh, but it was a good experience, you know. These things. Well, I think I think I think these things are like are good experiences, you know. You know, obviously, yeah, a bit of fun, but I think you know you can you can learn so much from just doing stuff like that. You you, you do you re- at least you realize that you don't want to do it at the very very least. You've you've, you've at yeah. least learned one thing. Um, yeah. So I guess I think at that point in my life as well, I, I was sort of. You know, there was all there's people around us willing us on to keep doing it, but I was I'd matured enough as a person to say, Look, this is this isn't for me. Like I'm not gonna be happy doing it. Like this people and it it, it it ties back in no matter what we do, straight away, you know, with with the experience we had at HP where like, you know, you're competing with people who want to do that job. You're competing with people who want to be models, who would literally give anything to be a model and they'll go to the ends of the earth. They'll take all the rejection they want. But if that's especially a model as well, if that's something you don't particularly want to do or don't have a passion for, and you just feel awkward doing it, 
you, there's no way you're going to do well in it. Like it's, it's impossible. Um, and it's just not something I was ever built for. And I realized that really quickly. The whole Lorraine Kelly thing was, was fantastic. It was a great experience, but you know, that's all I really wanted out of it in any way, like a, a new different experience. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, obviously what you thought about the whole thing. I know you came down a couple of times and, Oh, well, I, I was, you know, I think at the time it was just like, you know, go for it. Like, who knows where it might lead? You know, you you might yeah. have you might have enjoyed modelling. You might have got a career out of it. Like, you know, it was obviously like a bit of a, you know, part of it was kind of a bit of a laugh, but part of it was like, well, actually, this could go somewhere. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of the, all all these kind of career situations or career paths, you kind of you've got to a point where you've gone like, um you know, oh, this, this isn't my passion. But, so I guess the I guess the obvious question to ask is that, you know, have you, do you consider like scaffolding as your passion? Um, not scaffolding per se, but like, you know, what I said before, it was, it's one of those things where like, there's people who just don't really want I think always, I think now I've understand that like, you know, your work doesn't necessarily have to be its passion. But what I, what, I, what I would say in terms of passion that I am passionate about is just, just doing well, like across the board, like yeah. anything I do, I think my passion is just competitiveness. Yeah. Like anything I want to do, if I decide I want to do it, it's like, right, well, where can I take the next step? So um, scaffolding, you know, it's not in, with it being like a family business, you know, like, my at the time you know my dad he, he's, he's had an absolute skin full of scaffolding and you know you'll, you'll tell you himself like you know I, I came in and and he, he said a lot of times like you know I reinvigorated the company you know took it down a different direction that you know he's really proud of um so like basically now it's it's been a case of right well this necessarily isn't my passion but it doesn't mean I can't be passionate about what I'm doing like it's my it's you know, it's just as much my baby as it is my dad's now. It's it's sort yeah. of like a legacy. Like, where can I take it? Given the experience that I've had at university, it in you know even the modeling stuff. You know, it's daft, but it it a lot of the stuff that I did there ties in. You know, I, I deal better way better with rejection. I deal better with other people's opinions on us. You know, I'm not afraid to walk into a room and ask someone. If, if they've got any work going, you know, there's, a, there's all those sort of things that, you know, like soft skills are like now I'm, I'm 29. I've developed because of that sort of, um, that sort of progress that I've made just in different, like sort of like industries. And, you know, like that, that's where I've sort of got to now. Um, before we get on to anything like that though, I want to hear about your, your little brush with, um, with TV stardom. Oh, I've already, I've already, uh, I've already done that story on another podcast. So, oh so, no! So handily, Mark, <laughs> I will, I will refer, um, refer our, our, our viewers to uh, our listeners to to the podcast that I did with Susie, which I actually give the full story. Oh on. really? You wasted <laughs> that story on Susie. Uh, so yeah, I've dodged that one. Dodged that one. Oh, I guess so. I get well. I guess so. I was on a dating show. Is the the uh, the yeah. short story of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 was the last looking for? Was it was it a what was it a, a techno vi- viking? <laughs> uh, a ginger viking. 
<laughs> a ginger Viking she was after. Yeah. And God knows why they found you. <laughs> they've, been, they've been looking for me for years. Um, <laughs> the perfect match, but not, not for you, was it, really? <laughs> for no, no. Um, so I guess, uh, what was it? I guess bringing it back to business, Scaffoldy. So it's fun. I guess it's funny to sort of think that essentially, you know, you're you're now kind of um, leading a scaffolding business, and it's funny to think that kind of if someone has said, you know, what what do you think someone needs in terms of skills or in terms of experience, you know, say if you were taking on, say if you were going to employ someone for your job, yeah, you know, and you, you go right. Well, what kind of person are we going to look for? I reckon they're probably you know they want university degree, experience in teaching, modelling, yeah, uh, yeah, IT. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and obviously scaffolding. Like I say, though, like the teaching ties in because you know when you're teaching, you you learn how to deal with like different personalities, um, and oh, yeah. it, it ties in perfectly and. It's it's the same with everything you've done. You know, you can find some sort of soft skill like that, you know, that that part of your life has helped you perfect and then you sort of like employ it elsewhere. So, um, in, you know, you mentioned about especially like, you know, would I have said that this is what I would have been doing? Well, because of, say, what my parents have said, they thought that like what they were doing was an undesirable an undesirable industry, like something that, you know, they wanted to see their, they all, like parents always want to see the kids do better than them. I think that's yeah. been, it's been fantastic. And, you know, I can see why parents have done it. And I couldn't sit here and say, if I was in their situation, I would have done any different. You always want to be trying to spur your kids on to do like better than you to go further. But, you know, I think we've got now to the point where like our generation they got a nasty shock um, when they went into the workplace being told that they could pretty much achieve anything that they want and when they found out that that wasn't the case. You know, we, we both thought we'll have corner office, 60, 70 grand corporate lifestyle, loads of money, having whatever we want, but that is just not the case. You you don't just get a degree and walk into these places and, you know, you're Mr. Fantastic. Like, We've learned that now. And I think, you know, obviously I'll get your opinion on this, but what's made the whole scenario worse is um, social media. You know, people, where parents have told we we're going to achieve anything we want, which is fair enough on its own. But then when you mix that in with social media and people are looking at Instagram and Facebook and other people that they've got from school are only ever posting their their achievements and what they're doing well and you're thinking well they're doing it like I should be there and I think it's just creating I think it's been one of the problems with with mental health I think people thinking that they were going to achieve everything there was no realism there and I know I sound like you know a bit of a a bit of a um, depressive yeah and and saying what I'm saying but I just think our generation needed a dose of, of realism I don't know whether that's you know what you thought, but um, that's certainly what I've got from the whole, the whole, you know, looking back on our generation, what we're expecting to what we managed to get, 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's very. I guess it's always going to be difficult to manage expectations at a young age. Uh, you know, like I, you know, I remember as a kid, it was I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm thirty. Yeah, there's still hope. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, like, and and it's not that I've grown up and gone, oh, that's that's not um, that's not the reality. That's not the r- realistic. Um, I mean, partly that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I could be a millionaire if I wanted to or anything like that. But um, I think, yeah, uh, certainly reality does. Hit. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, possibly you know, like university degrees, the sort of the value of them maybe kind of dropped a lot in the yeah. in the last um, in a sort of generation, maybe. But at the same time, then you know, if you don't have one, then maybe you're not quite. A, you know, it depends what kind of job you're going for, I guess. But I think the main thing that we kind of we can both draw from from this is probably that I, you know everything everything I've done everything you've done we've definitely learned from it and I don't think I mean well I'll get your opinion but like I don't regret any decision I mean I, I don't I mean I have a, I don't regret any decision I've made but I don't regret you know going down any paths um, that I yeah. have um, and I don't uh-huh. think yeah, and I kind of going back to kind of what we said earlier about, you know, yes, I started off in hospitality. Yes, you started off in scaffolding. But I don't think we'd be the people that we are or be in a position to take on the job in the same way that we are doing if yeah. we hadn't have had think, these experiences. Yeah, I think it, I think it's it's like perspective changing, I think, university. And I think it gets you out of your, it gets you out of your own backyard. Like I know, obviously, yeah. you moved from you know Keithley up, up to Newcastle, so you went a lot further than me. But you know, just meeting people like yourself, those people in my like fit in like university, like who I've met, like you know, who who sometimes you know when you're from an especially sort of working class background like myself, like you know, sometimes you like feel like that's your bubble, and there's no way of of being mobile and getting and I think that's the the sort of problem with a lot of like working class lads I think like they've got so much promise and so much potential but they just sort of think of themselves like well this is who I am like I'm, there's no getting out of this this is this is the trap this is the working class trap this is, I can't uh, there's no social mobility for us to end up doing yeah. over there because you know that's just a, a like a pipe dream um and you know if you that's a good thing about university is it gets you mixing in with all these different people from different backgrounds. And you realize, you know, they're not that different, you know, they've just had a bit of a different upbringing. It doesn't make them any better than you. And I think that's kind of what helps, you know, like sort of, it sort of like moves you into a different cohort of people. Um, you know, cause you're, you're quite middle-class aren't you, Jamie? I was, well, I just- I guess we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for, you know, these experiences. So. you just got, like, a family of doctors. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess they, they never told me not to be a doctor, but I just chose to take a different path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just basically I wasn't good at science at school, so just like... <laughs> um, so I, I yeah, guess... but you've got, the, you've got the personable skills of a doctor, haven't you? You've definitely, like, they've definitely rubbed off on you from your parents. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Good at I dealing with people. I, I guess um, you're, you're good at dealing with working class people like yourself is what I'm trying to get on with. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> I think maybe I get that from uh, 
from uh, the, from hospitality as well. I think. <laughs> um, That's true. The, yeah, the the amount, of, yeah, the the range of of uh, people that used to come into the into the restaurants was astounding. Um, so I guess the yeah, would would you have done? Is there anything that you'd done you'd have done differently? Oh no way! Like you know where my life's ended up now. Like I'm, you know, how do I ever know at the time? Like there's absolutely no way. Like where you could have. I mean, maybe I would never say it because I would never want my life to be any different now. Like you know you know whatever you do can totally affect it and you end up in a completely different path but and i'm re- i'm happy like i'm not just content you know like, i'm happy with it all um but sort of maybe like you know the one thing that you could say if if you were going to university you know it's just sounds so cliched but like you want to go and you want to make sure you're getting you want to get your money's worth like you want to be doing something that you're passionate about and if if you're unsure about it all about like what you want to do at university just defer it a year until you decide like don't go down a path like that you're sort of unsure about like and i mean when i went to university as well your fees were three grand a year the nine grand a year now so there's, there's even more sort of onus on like you know you want to be getting you want to be getting that nine thousand pounds worth a year like it's got to be adding to you to 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 you know your your life and future it's got to be adding to your employability it's got to be adding to so you just your happiest happiness levels overall. Um, yeah. yeah, I think look, looking back, it's very it's so difficult to like you know to expect kids to you know like decide what they want to do. You know, you have to start deciding what you want to do. It's kind of like GCSE level, like when you're like 16, really, because then you go on. Cause, yeah, and like, that's quite crazy. Like when you think it's about crazy. it, like um, yeah. you've never experienced life, have you? Like. No. Um, and I think, you know, there's some people that maybe, yeah, like say, like be really good at science and then you can, you know, you can go on to do medicine, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you just, some people are comfortable going down that path. Um, yeah. but I think really like you, you, your 20s should just be like just going down as many different paths as you can to see what, oh, yeah. what's like, what works for you, what yeah. doesn't. Um, and at the end of those paths, like, you know, it's it's just as it's just as like effective it's just as like as enriching for your life if you get to the end of the path and you're like or you get down a path and you go i don't want to do this like it it adds just as much like well maybe not just as much but it, it still adds something if you go down a path and you decide you take something off and you go right don't want to do that and i don't want to do anything that involves that sort of thing you know, like straight away when we went to HP, we decided not only did we didn't want to work at HP, we didn't want to work in a corporate structure that wasn't right for us. So like straight away, you know, I always think of it as like a little game of guess who, you know, like straight away you start knocking down all the little yeah. the little characters that are like corporate, like like they're, you know, like did your person go to like work in a corporate structure or work in a big multinational company like you knock all them down that's not what you want so then what do you move on to there like what what passes the left standing up for you to take a take a crack at and um, then and then at the end we've got mark anderson with the lead piping but hey <laughs> <laughs> that's it definitely that's it nailed it nailed it oh well i think that's probably a good good uh good place to end it on yeah, I reckon so. I think we've um, we've done all we've done all the monthly chat and one, haven't we? At the minute, <laughs> that's all we're getting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
I guess I forgot to say at the start of this that uh, I'm going to have to release like a, a whole new podcast of, of, for this episode with with subtitles. Oh, all right, yeah. You know what? This is me on my best behaviour as well, like in terms of <laughs> words, in terms of swearing, in terms of because I my brother does a podcast and someone called him out for swearing too much. Well, I got the same like, the other week. Yeah, in, in his defence, though. Like me and my brother would do speak quite similar, and would do. We, we sometimes we use a swear word as like a comma. You know when you're <laughs> trying to think of the word rather than going, uh, you go like like fuck or like yeah fuck yeah you know fucking yeah it's kind of like fucking and you just you put it in it's like a comma like it it sort of smooths over that like little stop when I'm trying to think and you know. But anyway, yeah, you don't need to put subtitles. I don't think. Nah, I'm only joking, mate. I, I, I won't go to the, <laughs> won't go through all the effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if people understand you, they understand you. If not, then bah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, if people understand us, they can enrich their lives. If they don't, well, it's um, who are missing out. <laughs> <laughs> go on a go on a languages course, Geordie. Geordie languages yeah. course. <laughs> right, right cool, man, Thanks very much for coming nice on. Yeah, yeah. Nice talking to you. Um. Yeah, be in touch, mate. Stay Hi. safe out there. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye.